Is it possible for two people to stay happy together forever? Juno asked a good question, doesn't she? I, I uh, she's like she's saying, Dad, I, I'm uh, I'm looking around, and, and I'm wondering, am I shooting for something that no one ever reaches? Is, is it possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love? You know, falling in love is easy, right? I mean, really, to fall in love, all you need is like a pulse in about ten seconds, right? I mean, some of you are in love with people that you've never met before. You watch them on TV and you stare at them and think, I love them. You know, falling in love is easy. Love is a mysterious thing, isn't it? Even the Bible talks about the mystery of love. The writer of Proverbs in Proverbs chapter 30 uh, says this, There are three things that amaze me, no four that I do not understand. Uh, he says, uh, how an eagle glides through the sky, I don't understand that. How a snake slithers on a rock, how a, a ship navigates the ocean, and how a man loves a woman. It's a mystery, the way that love works, isn't it? Falling in love has never been easier. Uh, do you know there are more than 1,500 organizations like eHarmony? You know, they'll, they'll match you up with the perfect mate. They'll give you love. And I saw on their website this week, eHarmony, their slogan right now is, love is out there. We can help you find it. Love begins here. Really. You know, just pay your money, take the profile, and love can be found right here. And then there's all the social networking and media, the ability to connect with a broad number of people. We've never seen anything like it before. Falling in love is easy. But staying in love, that's a different issue, isn't it? I heard about uh, a young couple uh, just about ready to get married. They had been dating for a long period of time. And just before their marriage, they uh, both had this secret fear. And, and uh, the young man that was going to be married, his secret fear was that he had really smelly feet sometimes. And so he went to his father and said, Dad, I'm really worried that uh, my feet really stink sometimes. I'm worried that she'll be put off by that. She won't want anything to do with me. What do I do? His dad said, well, the best thing I can suggest is you, you, you wash your feet really often and wear socks all the time, even when you go to bed. And that will cover things up. And the, the young man thought, ah, I can do that, no big deal. Now, the young girl around the same time, she goes to her mother and she says, I have this huge fear. I have terrible morning breath, you know. And she said, I, I'm so afraid that he'll be but totally disgusted with my morning breath. What do I do? And so her mom said, well, here's the only thing I suggest. Every morning when you wake up, don't say a word. Just slip out of bed, go into the bathroom, brush your teeth, and then come back and tell him good morning. Never say a word until you brush your teeth. She thought, well, I, I think that'll work. So they both got married. They got married, and, you know, the marriage was rolling along. For about six months, things were going really well. But one morning, the young man woke up, and he realized as he was waking up that his sock had come off during the night. And he was panicked that she would smell the odor. And so he began to wrestle around in the bed trying to, to find the sock so that he could cover it back up. And, of course, that woke his young bride, and she sat up in bed and said, without thinking, What on earth are you doing? With a gasp, he looked at her and said, Oh, no, you swallowed my sock. That one went over well in the office this week, too. That was... I mean, we all see a lot of people, don't we, where the, the love flames and then it burns out. We have we've seen couples that have broken relationships. We've all seen couples that are just surviving 
just coexisting together. But all of us have this thing inside of us that says, I can do it. That I can, I can find that special person and we can love each other for a lifetime. It's in me to want that and it's in you to want that. And here's the good news. I think that's what God wants for all of us. And so we're going to take a short journey over three weeks to try to discover how it is that we can stay in love. Not just fall in love, but really stay in love. And you know what? Even though you may think today, my relationship is in chaos. I mean, all of us probably have some hurts. We've been dinged up along the way. And we've all got stories, maybe about our relationship or about our parents or about a previous marriage or about our children. And into all of this relational chaos, Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago. He was with His guys 2,000 years ago and He spoke to them and He laid the foundation for an enduring relationship. He laid the foundation for a romantic, I can't wait to get home in the afternoon, I can't wait to hear the garage door kind of relationship. And what He said, in fact, when you hear me say it today, you're going to say, that's, that's so simple. In fact, when you hear me say it today, you, you may think, but Jeff, I, I came today and our marriage is, is really difficult. I came thinking you'd give me something brand new, something powerful. Is that that's really all you've got? But this this principle is so simple, yet it is so so powerful. It is so accessible, so available. And if two people would ever recognize the this basic, basic truth and would accept it in their lives, they not only would fall in love, they would stay in love. There are words of Jesus found in John chapter 13. And so if you brought your Bible, you might want to turn there. We're just going to look at one verse. John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus speaks this very, very simple principle. And here's what He says. A new command I give you. Now this new command... those who first heard Him say this probably thought, wait a minute, a new command? You mean Jesus in addition to the Ten Commandments that Moses gave us and the 700 commandments that we find in the Old Testament? You're giving us a new one? And maybe the word new that's used here could actually mean new or it could mean something remarkable, a new discovery, something extraordinary. And maybe that's what Jesus was saying. I've got something to tell you that is remarkable, something that is extraordinary. And here's what he says, second part of verse 34. Love one another. That's it. Jesus says, love one another. And some of you are thinking, okay, Jeff, I think you should have studied a little bit harder than that. That, That's it? But be careful, because we easily miss what Jesus says here. Jesus takes a word that we usually use as a noun. And he uses it as a verb. He says, hey guys, listen. He says, I, I know we usually think of love as something that you fall into like a pool and you fall out of like a chair. I know that we usually use the word love as a noun, but I want to use it as a verb. And I'm telling you today to go love one another. And... It, You know, Jesus, maybe He wouldn't have made a very good 
marriage counselor or relationship counselor. Because you'd go to Jesus and you'd say, hey, well, she used to and she doesn't do this and she does this. And he'd say, hey, well, wait a minute. Are you loving her? Well, I used to, but, you know, we, I, we just really don't love each other anymore. And Jesus would say, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You don't used to. You used to a noun. You don't used to a verb. Go, go love her. And I want to tell you today, I want to help you. I want to give you a secret for your marriage, how to fix your marriage. Go home and love each other. And you say, but Jeff, you don't understand. We don't love each other anymore. You don't understand. You see, when you say we don't love each other anymore, you're saying we don't feel it anymore. That's a noun. Jesus was saying, it's a verb. I want you to go and do it. And as you go and love, as you go and do it, then you'll begin to feel it. But it's not about a feeling. It's about an action. It's about deciding I am going to go and love. So here's the foundation that we're going to build off of for these next few weeks. Here is the foundation of staying in love. The foundation for staying in love is to go make love. To go make love a verb. Just wanted to make see if you were actually paying attention, which you're obviously not. So. The foundation for an enduring relationship. The foundation for the kind of lifelong relationship that we all long to have is to make love a verb. Is to begin to live it out, to go do it. To understand that it is not just a feeling, but it is something that we do. The foundation for a long-term relationship is to Make love a verb. It is not to recapture a feeling. You know what? A a feeling is not the goal. You you know what? A feeling is the caboose in a relationship. Now, I understand there's a time when the feeling is the engine. You know, I, I realize that's what it is when it starts out. But very quickly, the feeling moves to the end of the train and becomes the caboose. It's not about the feeling. It's about deciding that I am going to make love a verb, that it is an action that I'm going to live out. And listen, I'll give you a secret, but it can't leave this room. The more you make love a verb, the more you'll make love. But you didn't hear that from me, okay? Jesus doesn't stop there. There's a second part of this new command, and maybe this this is the part that he said was extraordinary, that was remarkable. Because he goes on in verse 34 to say this. I want you to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus says, I don't want you to take your cue from culture. I don't want you to take your cue from your parents or your in-laws or your girlfriends. I want you to take your cue for how to love somebody else from me. Now, what does that kind of love look like? What does Jesus' love for us look like? Well, it is a very sacrificial love, isn't it? 
It is a love that is always putting the interest of the other person ahead of my own interest. That's how Jesus loves us. And next week we're going we're gonna to dive into some really practical applications about what that kind of love looks like. A love that puts the interest of the other person first. A very sacrificial kind of love. But today, I think there, is a, there are a few verses in the Bible that give us a really clear description of what this kind of love looks like. A clear description of the way that Jesus demonstrated love for us. And it's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We hear these words at weddings, but I want you to really zero in and think about them today. Because this describes the way that Jesus loves. 1 Corinthians 13.4 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. Always perseveres. Now, Paul is the writer of these words. But I think his model when he thought about what this love looked like, I wonder if it wasn't Jesus. Because you can put Jesus' name in front of every one of these characteristics of love. Listen to it again like this. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus does not envy. Jesus does not boast. Jesus is not proud. Jesus is not rude. Jesus is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You see, that is a really clear description, isn't it? Of the way that Jesus loves us. But let me ask you this. When you think about your relationship with your spouse, could you put your name in there? Could you read that verse and honestly say this morning, Jeff is patient. Carol is kind. Joe is not self-seeking. I mean, could you put your name in there? There's something else to notice about this. Do you catch that this whole list of these characteristics of love is really a list of the behaviors of love? See, we think about love being a feeling about the romance and the fireworks and the passion and the sparks. But really, when it comes right down to it, love is about behavior. And all of these characteristics that are mentioned here are directed towards being concerned about the well-being of the one that is loved. Feelings are often beyond my control, but attitude and behavior are not. Now this theme that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 13, he carries it over into the first phrase of chapter 14 when he says this, follow the way of love. The words follow the way of could be translated, they could be taken to mean to hunt 
or to pursue relentlessly. It's the idea of having a goal or a target and pursuing that goal or that target relentlessly. And Paul suggests that's the way we ought to pursue love. And when you think about it, isn't that a great picture of the way that Jesus loves us? A relentless pursuit. A relentless pursuit of us. This kind of love is not dependent on the actions of the one being loved. It's not about if they meet my needs or you know, if they behave a certain way or if they do the things that I tell them to do. Jesus never made our actions a prerequisite for His love. In fact, He has loved us when our, in spite of our actions, in spite of our attitudes, Jesus loved me when I was unlovable. If I don't do a good job of communicating, Jesus still loves me. If I forget to take out the trash, Jesus still loves me. If I have sock breath, Jesus still loves me. If I get angry or if I have bad habits, Jesus still loves me. You see, the way that Jesus loves us is all about the lover, the one who is giving the love. It's not about our actions. And our love for our spouse is about our relentless pursuit of serving them. It's about my relentless actions to care for them. Is it possible for two people to stay in love forever? The answer, young Juno, is yes, it is. But it doesn't happen because you fell in love. And it doesn't happen because there were fireworks and passion. You, you stay in love by making love a verb, by loving one another, and by taking your cue about what that kind of love looks like from Jesus. You stay in love by deciding every single day that He's first, that she's first. You stay in love by deciding every day that she's the priority, that He's the priority. You Stay in love by deciding that you are going to love that person, that you are going to value that person. Is it possible for two people to stay in love forever? It is. It is. If they will decide that it is not about a feeling, but it is about getting up every morning, every morning, And choosing that today, today I am going to love my spouse. And I am going to put that love in action. And my love for them is not dependent on what they do. My love depends only on my decision to serve them in love. Now let me give you some homework. Because we're going to take what we've talked about today and build on it over the next couple of weeks. I don't know, some of you came today thinking, Jeff, I, I need you to, I need you to today to give me like two or three things that I can do that's going to fix my marriage because it's ripping apart. But hear me on this. Here's the truth. Until we get this very simple, basic, foundational principle in our lives, until we get to the point that we understand that love is a verb, 
All the other things that we could talk about, all the little practical pieces of advice that I could give you, they won't do any good. And so you and I get to the point that we decide to love our spouse. And when that is the foundation, then we can begin to build on top of it with practical things that we ought to be on the lookout and do. So here's the homework. Uh, on the uh, back side of your weekly update, there's a box at the top and it has some homework in there. I, I thought of another thing I want to add to that and then I'll tell you what's there. The first thing I want you to do in addition to what's there is I want you to, more than once this week, two or three times, I want you to pull your Bible out and open it to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and I want you to read verses 4 through 7. So write that down, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. And I want you to honestly look at that list, that description of the characteristics of love and I want you to to ask yourself, can I put my name in here in terms of the way I treat my spouse? And I want you to focus in on those things where you can't put your name. And those are some characteristics that you need to begin to work on. Second thing there, you have uh, uh, some verses in Philippians chapter uh, 2, I think it is. And I want to encourage you every day this next week to take your Bible out and to read through that section of Scripture because that's what we're going to talk about next week. But it's some really powerful stuff. And uh, I want your hearts to be ready for us to really dig into that next week. And so for you to really be ready, I want you to take your Bible out every day this week and to read through those verses and to get yourself ready so that when we come together next week, we can begin to build on this foundation of making love a verb. And then there's some questions there. And those aren't necessarily questions for you to discuss with your spouse this week. Those are just some things for you to, you to think about individually and see where you're at on those things. But let's decide together this morning that we're going to make love a verb and that we're going to make the choice every day to get up and love our spouse. God, I thank You for the way that Jesus has loved me even when I was unlovable. In spite of my actions sometimes, He continues to sacrificially love me. God, would You help me to make love a verb in my life? God, would You help me to love my wife the way that Jesus loves me. And I pray that for every person in this room today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.